I'm good at sports, but not anything that um, involves dance or actually singing or anything. Nice. Well, you know, we don't all have to be talented at everything. And we are now officially live. And the talent that you're going to showcase today on this podcast, think of it as a talent show for delivering the best talent to a company. And today you are the two contestants. And it's not a competition. This is, uh, there's two first places. So you have a very good chance of both winning. Um, <laughs> so for those of you who are joining us, yes, we're talking about talent shows. And today we have a people panel with two amazing people. And we're going to talk about people and we're going to focus on the show as though it's a talent show to share as much information as we know here on the Scale Up Valley podcast. You can get all of these and more at scaleupvalley.com. My name is Ryan Fullen. My talent, my sharpest tool is speaking. So I speak in the keynote format, in a workshop format with other people. And I believe if you speak in public, you are a public speaker and we are all here together. So I enjoy talking. I also enjoy listening. And so today I'm going to be the host as I am going to be filling out my stick figure drawing, starting uh, with the two people panel, taking notes, probably chirping in along the way and enjoying the conversation. But at this point, I'm going to pass the mic to Mike so that Mike can be the host or the MC of today's talent show, where we're going to talk about people panel and how to deliver world-class talent. Mike is yours, Mike. Thank you, Ryan. Um, and the topic today, and welcome to our audience. A uh, real pleasure to be here with um, Rodica and Chalman. Uh, Rodica is the director of talent acquisition at Money Lion, and Chalman is the VP of Global Talent at TalkDesk. And we are here together to discuss how to deliver a world-class talent uh, experience. But yeah, let's to have the opportunity to get to know more about uh, Chana and, and TalkDesk. Chana, if you could share a little bit an overview about your career and what you, what you guys are doing at TalkDesk, it would be amazing. Sure. So um, thanks for having me on the podcast. I, my name is Shauna and um, I was the first US hire at TalkDesk. I started back in 2012, just a few months after we, um, the company was founded. And I initially was started, I started on the marketing team. So I was the only one in marketing for the first three years, kind of built our marketing infrastructure from the ground up um, and, and built that team as well. And then um, in about 2016, we had 120 people in the company globally, but we didn't have anyone in a, a talent acquisition function or an HR function. And, uh, but we've been looking for a while. And at that time, our COO um, asked me, he said, Sean, I think, I think you can do this, right? So why don't you step over from your marketing position and help establish the talent acquisition function? Um, and so my first thought was, you're crazy, um, but I can do it. So, <laughs> so I took the challenge and in 2016, I stepped into that function and, um, and built, built my team from the ground up. Um, and now we have 620 employees in the, in the company globally. We have six offices um, and um, we're planning to scale to a thousand by the end of this year and 2000 by the end of next year. Um, and then just a little bit about TalkDesk, we, we've raised about a, over hundred million in funding through a series B we're currently a unicorn, so we're the third unicorn in Portugal. Um, so we have over a billion dollar valuation, and um, we make um, contact center software um, for mostly enterprise companies. Amazing um, track records, and it's incredible. Every time that I talk with the team, the numbers are going up and up and up, and <laughs> never stop. So I'm in touch. With, uh, 
with talk desk since they were uh, kind of less than 50. So it's it's amazing to see that you are 10 times bigger uh, today and that you'll be four times bigger in the next two years. So, which is quite amazing. Congratulations. And Radhika, it's really a pleasure to have you here. Uh, it would be awesome also to, to get to know more about you. Likewise, thanks a lot for, for the invite, appreciate it. Um, well, yeah, my, my career uh, in, in Moneyline started about two months ago. Um, kind of relate to what Shona was just saying, uh, moving from marketing to, to the talent and then being asked to set up the whole talent department. Um, to take a step back, um, born in Moldova, where I graduated two bachelor degrees, uh, the main one would be in finance and then the second one was in law. Um, after that, I, I wanted to, to, to try a career in the, in the public, um, in the government, stayed with them for three years and decided that that's not for me. Um, moved to Sweden where I've graduated my master's degree again in corporate and financial management. And that's when I started to, to flirt with the idea of um, working in the startup, startup environment, helped a couple of uh, startups to set up their basic business development team and then basic fundraising functions and accounting finance. And then uh, the whole crazy thought of moving to Southeastern Asia somehow um, some, somehow ended up into my, my, my LinkedIn. So I was like, why not? Let's, let's, let's try it. Um, moved to Kuala Lumpur two years and a half ago uh, in a startup, uh, was the finance and fundraising manager with them. But being such a small team, we were around 10 people on, on the ground. Uh, I was really exposed to, to the, all the departments around the team. So f finance, fundraising, accounting, HR, um, business development, uh, even a little bit of product. Um, stayed with them for, for a year, it was a very cool experience and I, I, had, I, I learned literally a lot. Then moved to, um, to the mobility industry where Again, I was brought in the team when, when we were around 20 people. And when I left after one year and a half, we were 160. Um, so moved around different functions. Um, again, set up the, the, the talent team uh, for like three, four months and then um, moved towards marketing. So that's where I left uh, my, my, my previous company. Um, Moneyline was more of a, I was convinced to join them. Um, and was not really looking for, for a change. And then I was like, okay, sure. It's a really, really, it was a very interesting uh, challenge that was uh, um, offered to me. And I was more than happy to, to jump on board. Um, Team-wise, we are in Kuala Lumpur 160 plus, uh, expecting to grow at least by 50 more towards the end of this year. Um, overall, uh, in the company, we are 350 plus. Uh, so what is Moneyline? Yeah, um, it's, it's, um, a financial, um, it's a financial product, membership. We actually invented the membership uh, system for the finance industry. Um, we are working, we are operating only in the U.S. That would be our main market as of, as of now. Um, and what we offer is, is, is literally uh, different memberships that, um, that include a variety of financial products. Three main categories would be banking, would be loans, and then investment products. Um, started five years ago um, as, a, as a lending company and uh, slowly we expanding towards more, more products. Um, our main, our headquarter is in New York and we do have office in San Francisco, uh, Salt Lake City and Kuala Lumpur. So that would be briefly about, about us. 
talk desk also in Salt Lake City. So okay. Of, uh, <laughs> Let me guess: from... is the customer support over there? No, actually, we have a lot of our um, our post sales organization um, and our go to market teams, and also our GNA teams. Um, okay. So Support is one of the teams that we don't have there. It's a it's an amazing market for talent, and uh, we actually tapped into one of our competitors. He's there, and we hit this kind of like critical inflection point where we decided we we wanted to get an office and, and expand kind of our footprint there. And um, we've been really really pleased with the results so far. Awesome. So and already uh, understanding that you have different offices and that both companies are expanding. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting uh, way to start. So how do you stand out from the crowd uh, in markets where you are well-known, but who are very competitive? And I would say that San Francisco and, and New York are uh, definitely uh, two of them. And in markets where you are expanding to, uh, where your brand is not so well-known, and I'm thinking on the case of, of TalkDesk now, uh, scaling to, to, to Europe and namely to London, uh, where you have the challenge of and explaining what the brand is and getting the brand more well-known. So, Chana, what, what are your thoughts about opening New York new offices and standing up uh, or standing out from the crowd in, in your domestic markets and in your new markets? Yeah, so I think you brought up a great point. We, um, I would say we operate in some of the toughest talent markets in the world, right? So Silicon Valley um, and the Silicon Slopes, that, that's a really, really tough market. And, um, and not all of them do we have the same brand awareness. And that's what's interesting for us. Um, we've um, started to penetrate into different markets and we've realized that it, um, the talent acquisition process and function looks very similar to what it, uh, what it was um, back in 2016 for us um, in Silicon Valley. So um, there are a couple of things. So I can tell, I can talk really from a tactical standpoint, but I think what might be really helpful is to think about our strategy. Um, the first, and it, it sounds simple, but it's so crucial is that um, I built a world-class talent organization. So our talent team is um, what I consider to be one of the best in the world. And that's really important because we are on the front lines and um, that's one of our competitive di differentiators, right? If we're sending a really polished and crisp personalized message, um, if we're very clear and articulate when we get on the phone with that person, um, oftentimes what I've heard from candidates are, are wow, I've never, I've never met with a recruiter that can answer um, really, really, um, you know, strategic strategic questions about the business um, that has been able to take me through the process um, with, um, you know, such, such professionalism. And so for me, that's, that's important. Um, and then the other thing that we did is we added a layer on top of that. So not only are our sourcers and our recruiters um, some of the best in the world, but we've also built um, a talent, talent operations function. And so our talent operations team is a global team. Um, we have a talent operations manager in San Francisco, and then she has um, direct reports in every single office location. Um, and their whole job is to optimize our efficiency, effectiveness, and the candidate experience. So those are our three, three talent pillars, and that whole team is focused on, on um, optimizing those three. And so I can talk through each pillar if you're interested, but um, for us, that is, uh, it basically allows us to run a really effective organization, a very efficient organization, and provide the candidates that, that we interface with, with the world-class candidate experience so that we can uh, move with velocity in some of the toughest uh, markets and hire some of the best in the world. Um, 
if I may add a couple yeah, of things that, that are happening at, at, at Moneyline, um, I, I, again, I think this is a very, very interesting question for, for me, especially when I have to hire in Kuala Lumpur, uh, when the, the, we don't operate in Kuala Lumpur. So uh, you would have a very, very, um, you would have a decent amount of people that you want to hire. And then when you tell them what you do, they don't really know, they, don't, they haven't heard about your product. So you have to tell them, okay, we actually operate in US and we are very powerful there and it's the most important financial number shaping us um so i guess that's where we have to make the difference and a, a difference again is, is is definitely made by the candidate experience and by as you said as shona said uh being able to answer to all of their questions and and having the the talent team to to be more of a recruiter or sourcer they, they really need to understand the business requirements they really need to go sometimes even into the technical questions um and they also need to move fast um and that's again what 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 brings me uh, and my team um, I guess uh, higher than, than most of uh, most of the the other uh, uh, teams from that from, from from fintech industry is the the speed of, of hiring. Uh, we defined a very very uh, structured process, uh, and we do use a lot of tools that would help us to 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 provide this experience and to uh, not to get lost among emails, but to, to make sure that everyone is attending on time and everyone is is kept in the loop with what's happening next and. Uh, uh, we are always there for, for, for our candidates. Um, when it comes to the market where we operate, um, of course, it's much easier to get uh, to get applications, so less of efforts on on the on, on, on being active and, and, and on the sourcing side. Uh, but again, uh, definitely the product for us, the product itself helps us to hire. It's it's a very cool industry and it's a cool product that we we are building and uh, we've we've uh, built so far. Um, and that is bringing on board amazing people that want to be part of this uh, innovating the fintech industry and 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 shifting the whole banking system. In 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 US for now. It's very interesting. Both of you are talking about the delivering a world-class uh, candidate experience. And what do you think are the drivers to kind of assure that we have a world-class uh, candidate experience? What what are the main touch points? So how do we work on the candidate experience? And Rodika, we can start with you this time. How do we work on the candidate experience, right? Yeah. Um, as I said, for me, the, the the main important part, the most important part, is to 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 be sure that I'm I'm honest with my candidates, that I attend them very very quickly on their answers, and also um, the fact to provide them a lot of clarity on what's next. Uh, the process is well defined. Uh, when I step on on the first call, they know what's going to happen in in the very very last like fourth call, and they also know how long it's going to take them to 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 get they are um that's the, the the first thing that i wanted to bring uh with me at moneyline and that's the, the main thing that I'm, I'm i'm coaching and mentoring my team to to be able to provide this uh answers for 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 the candidates um beside that um of course it it, it comes with um not only the the experience that you you give them when when they're in the hiring um process, but also what's happening next and also what they hear about uh, the company from from uh, the those inside the company and outside the company. Of course, they go they go on Glassdoor and they do check. Um, and that's part of um, my team to make sure that uh, um, we do have a good score there. And that's that's coming only uh, if you are actually able to 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 provide uh, um, a good uh, a good experience for those who work with you and those who want to work with uh, with you. 
Got it. So, Sean, would you like to add something about um, best practices that you are applying in, in Talkdesk? Yeah, sure. So very similar. So right. So for us, it started with standardizing um, the entire process. So not only standardizing, but when I first moved into that role, I, I really um, standard, I standardized each process um, for each each candidate, um, regardless of the role, location, hiring manager, recruiter, um, would go through similar steps within the process. But I also standardized um, what happens within each process, right? So. I've, I've built out our first touch phone call scripts, um, also an email cadence. And so every candidate, regardless of their background experience, regardless of their geo hiring manager or recruiter, receives that same experience. That for us is really important um, because we know that first, nothing's gonna slip through the cracks, um, that we can move through the process with velocity. So we don't have to have a recruiter thinking, okay, what should I say next? Or if they ask this question, what, what is a typical response? Because we've got it all built out for them. Um, and then and, you know, for us, um, that that creates an experience where everyone um, understands what's expected them with of them within the process. So not only um, the candidates, but also our recruiters, our hiring managers, and everyone that's involved in that interview panel, um, so that we can all function in lock, lockstep together. Um, when we come up, when that candidate comes on site or they make it on site everything is lined up for them so that there are no hiccups um, and they feel that they're very well taken care of. Um, and then the final step is really just making sure that we provide that white glove experience from, from a personal standpoint. So our talent ops team is that main point of communication throughout, throughout the entire process. So um, really from sourcing to close, they have a resource above and beyond their recruiter and their hiring manager. Uh, but when they, they come on site, we treat them um, as if they're a family or um, we're welcoming them into our organization because um, when we look at our funnel metrics, we know that for every hire that we place, we reject about 199 folks, or so we interface with 199 folks, and almost all of them we're rejecting. Um, those individuals could go on to be our brand advocates, um, potential customers. They're often, um, you know, candidates in the future. Uh, they're referral sources. And for us, it's so important because we can not only highlight our culture, but also our product and where we are in the market um, so that if we do provide that, that world-class experience, that they can go on and be advocates for us. So um, we, we invest a lot of resources, time and effort and training, training in this. And I, I think it's working really well. Just to add a small thing uh, on, on what also Shauna said, um, for me, what I do in the very last stage when uh, when it comes to rejecting a lot of people, and, and unfortunately, we do have to do, it's part of our job. And then when it comes to this rejection email, uh, I, I think most of us, we've, we've received those uh, templates where, you know, okay, everyone gets it. I try to make it as customizable as possible. And then I do have this part, like, if you need feedback from me, feel free to reach out. And uh, I'll, I'll be very honest, last, last couple of weeks, I've received so many emails from, from candidates asking for the feedback. Hey, do you mind actually sharing what, what can I improve for, for my, next, uh, my next job applications? And uh, what I've told to my team, and uh, I hope I can keep it as long as possible, and I hope I will have the capacity to do so, I actually provide this feedback. I, I would always go back to the, to the candidate. I will say, look, in your side, I think that the technical assessment was not the best, so it would be really great if you can invest a little little bit more time 
and, and polish a bit your Java skills, and then we can take it uh, from there in a couple of months. Or in your on your side, communication was something that we we um, we couldn't align with, and it was it would be great if you come back to us, but first work on this and that and that. Um, so this is the very the very final step where most of the most of the um, the companies probably will say, okay, that's not important. I've disqualified that person already, so I, I would rather invest in those that are in the pipeline already. Well, I think the other way around, I think everyone should be treated the same, um, despite the stage, if they made it or did not, uh, because they can be, exactly, they can be the advocates for you for your company uh they can speak about money line for for uh, among their friends and you never know where those applications would would, would come from got it and um you, you were also talking before chana about efficiency and effectiveness as some of the pillars uh, that you are focused on or that are your uh, key strategic priorities for the talent uh, the talent function and i was thinking in terms of metrics so what are you measuring every single quarter? What is really important to you in terms of KPIs? And what are your look? What are what is your team looking to? Uh, good question. So um, there are certain things that we we actually really really care about within um, you know talent acquisition at TalkDesk, and then there are certain things um, that we don't actually care about um, as much. And so I'll give you an example of, of some of the the KPIs that that we're tracking, um, and we. We've established not only a monthly cadence, but a quarterly cadence, um, and then also um, we report back to the business and an annual cadence, and then we report back to the business our OKRs on a on a quarterly cadence. So not only to our executive team, but also to the entire company, um, which is a new experience for us. But it's also really important um, to increase transparency across the organization. So um, from an, an efficiency um, standpoint, so we we look at it across those three pillars: so efficiency, effectiveness, and candidate experience. I've kind of um, charted that together. Um, and so on efficiency standpoint, we're looking at hires by department, recruiter source, hiring manager. Um, and then we break down source into um, an, another layer, um, inbound source. We, we look at secondary source. So inbound source um, and referral source. Um, that's really, really, really helpful for us because um, we can um, decide whether or not where we should allocate our funds and spend kind of our time as an organization generating uh, mm -hmm. more candidates. Um, and we're also tracking, of course, hires to goal. So hires to forecast is really, really important within the business. Um, we're not necessarily tracking time to hire. Um, and I'll talk about why for us, um, it's important to find like top quality talent. Um, usually um, we're, we're getting pressure from all angles. We're getting pressure from the business, um, pressure from the executive team. We don't have to add that uh, another layer of like putting a, a stop stopwatch on for the recruiters. They're trying as hard as they can, right? And so I actually don't care if it takes us two months or three months to place a really key hire as long as it's the right hire um, because it could actually set you back further if it's not. Um, we're also looking from a high level prospecting activity. So um, especially for sourcers, we're looking at number of conversions per week, but also all of our recruiters are full cycle recruiters. Um, so that's really important. So prospecting activity and also conversion rates through funnels. Um, and then in effectiveness, effectiveness is actually really interesting. So I've created a, a metric, it's called the magic number. And essentially what we're doing is we're looking at the higher quality score and the higher difficulty score. Um, and then I'm taking those two numbers and I'm multiplying them together. Um, and then I'm taking a sum of all the hires that that, that recruiter placed within that quarter and their target is a hundred. So overall um, their sum of magic numbers should, uh, the, their threshold should be a hundred. Um, 
The reason that's important is I, I always give this, this example. If Tiago, our CEO, asks me to place um, a VP of finance, I could do it tomorrow, right? I could find you a really terrible VP mm -hmm. of finance. Um, and I'll do it tomorrow. Um, but if we want to find a world-class VP of finance, um, that is a very, very different ask. Um, and we should be, um, you know, assessing our recruiters on that, right? So it's not enough to just say, I want you to place two hires per month. Um, I want to take into consideration the difficulty of placing those two hires um, so that I can look across my organization and compare a recruiter that might be an executive recruiter um, with someone who's very early in their career um, and kind of standardize, um, you know, some of those, those um, how I'm evaluating them across the board and they can see it on a leaderboard as well. Um, and then some of the others are higher quality by source. So we're looking at what sources are generating the highest quality candidates um, or new offers or new, new hires. Um, and then other things like offer acceptance rate, retention, um, referral rate, hiring manager feedback, um, and then kind of a self-evaluation. Self and then the third pillar, as candidate experience, we're actually sending out surveys to candidates um, directly, uh, not only that are currently in the process, we've got two time points, we'll send them out, um, you know, when they're in the process and also after they're rejected. Um, and then the final is that we're asking new hires about their candidate experience and also um, the experience during the critical period, which we call um, between what we consider between when they sign their offer letter to their start date. So um, overall, kind of how, how their process was within the recruitment cycle talk to us. Got it. I, I have a follow-up question, but I would like also like to, to give the opportunity to uh, Radhika uh, if you want to add something in terms of metrics. I mean, I'm in the process of just setting up this this dashboard. I think that's again the change that I want to bring with uh, with the money line to to have this data driven approach when it comes to to hiring. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something that was not really um, done before 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 me. Um, so just setting the the dashboards. Most of the 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 KPIs, the metrics that uh, that Shona mentioned are or will be reflected in my in my uh, dashboard for now the main priority for me is just to understand where the the the, the hires are coming from what's the channel so i would track uh is that source profile is that coming from a referral is this uh, from from the career fair or is this from a partnership that i have with the universities really really understanding where they're coming from and again um understanding what's the priority and where the funds should go uh, for for the next quarter and then um I've also brought this approach of of, of reactively uh, of reactive um, hiring, and uh, uh, when it comes to coach my team to go on LinkedIn or any other channels and to to source for people, they uh, they I, I need to 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 uh, have this this quality sense for for them. So uh, that's something that I don't like to track the number of the people that they are sourcing. I would like to track how many of those people actually go uh, in in the in the room for an interview and how many after that first interview are converted to to the technical assessment part so if someone is is bringing in hundreds of candidates they say i've sourced so many people but then i see that the conversion rates are very low this means that we lack quality in that in that part so that's something that i i, I want to to really focus on the first months to to invest on the quality rather than quantity um but yeah uh they also something that uh i think sean didn't, didn't mention I, I would track the dropout dropout rates um having technical assessments in place uh, especially when it comes for more senior profiles i've received this feedback that they don't really like or uh and i would understand why to to go into these assessments that take five or seven days so for me now in being in the beginning with uh in the beginning of the of the of the 
uh, of my role with, with Moneyline, I really want to understand how I can differentiate between different roles and uh, adjust the, the, the process based on, based on the um, different profiles. So I would track the drop-off rate per each role and I would see in what stage they, they drop off and what can I change in order to, to keep more people in, in, the, in the pipeline, but at the same time to meet the hiring needs and to provide the quality uh, and information that the hiring manager would, would, would request from, from my department. Got it. Um, sounds, sounds awesome. And I know that you have a question, right? Yeah, so I was uh, just on my Twitter feed, uh, a friend of mine, Joe, who uh, has a company called Cloud App, he shared uh, a, an, some statistics from what he was saying is the Harris poll. And it essentially said 70% of U.S. employees say that they're at least somewhat likely to leave their current company and accept an offer with a new company that is known for investing in employee learning and development. So, you know, I've... I've uh, candidly here I have I have found a lot of words that you guys have said okay but nowhere on there have I heard or seen a mention of of pitching employee development as part of your process I mean there's a lot of stuff that you've said here but I'm curious <laughs> do you agree with that statistic and how are you positioning the support that you're going to give employees um, as a world-class talent organization to make them world or class which is not even a word but I just said it so I'm curious what you think about that. You want to go ahead? You can go. Yeah, I mean that's a very, very good. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, we do have in our HR uh, function the learning and development um, um, team, um, but you know, being with the startup, uh, I'm not sure if you really need to go into this. Um, phase when you learn so much on the job and when you have to go um, into so many uh, nights and, and into so many uh, tasks that might not even be, be part of your role. Um, however, what happens at Moneyline and what we do really support and advise our, our colleagues to do, um, we do um, allow our teams to and our people to move around different departments. So if someone is in the data science team and they say, I'm very, I might be interested in the data engineering team so we would definitely support them spending 20 to 30 percent of their time and uh just just try to understand if data engineering is something that's that's interesting for them same, same goes for the product engineering team so we would support these changes between between team and we would allocate this free time for them to uh to look around in in, in the in the company and understand if there is something else that they would like to learn um now when it comes to a proper program we are in the process of working with with one of the uh, training providers uh um, and we want to get this corporate package where we would bring everyone on board and the, uh, the manager would design this career path for them and they would work mainly on the technical part. Uh, I mean, Moneyline, our, I think 80% of our, um, our, our employees, they are technical people. So um, that's why we would go for these um, courses online. We will make sure that they, they, they have the, the, the skills, the newest, they work with the newest technology and that they are, and that they are updated on, 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 on what's coming next. Um, but yeah, I'll just uh, finish with what you've said. It's a very important, um, it's a very important uh, question, and I do get it more and more often in in most of the interviews that I, I had. Um, 
people ask and they do compare offers based on their learning and development um, opportunities that arrive within the company. They will specifically ask you, okay, good, salary is okay, that's okay, that's okay. What about learning and development? How do you help me grow within the company or uh, outside or on a personal level um, within like next two years? And what we also do, we do um, an IQ test. So that's something that um, I, w- I want to work on and, and, and define a program around that. So we do an IQ test when they join the company in their first uh, actually last stage in the interview and then the plan is to to do that iq test over uh, next six months and to compare the, the 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 results if something changed or not and then to have individual talks with with every every um every colleague and to understand what's lacking or where should they invest do they need more time in order to to personally to 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 grow so that's something outside the job not that much related to what they do on a day-to-day uh, basis but uh, something that we want to invest in as well. Interesting. So two quick things just hearing. One is that you said learning and development, which yes. seems like a different phrase as opposed to professional development, which it seems yes. to be getting outdated. So learning and development. And the fact that you have them take an IQ test and then make yes. them smarter and then another <laughs> IQ test, that's something that I think would, would be appealing in the recruitment process, right? Like, <laughs> hi, no, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, no, hold on, hold on. Before you get started, we will make you smarter. Okay, so where are we going? <laughs> Um, I, I've received a lot of feedback about this IQ test. I think it makes our our um, recruit our, our process a little bit sexier. You know, when they when they go into this uh, final interview and we say, okay, now we do have a small test for you. It's literally twenty minutes, and it's not part of the decision. It doesn't affect the decision. Yeah. So if someone scores uh, eleven and someone scores twenty three, we wouldn't choose the one with the higher um, score. It will be purely based on on the on the feedback that we get from the higher manager and overall results of the previous uh, stages. Um, But most of the candidates, they say, oh, I've never done it before, but it's really cool. Um, Very interesting. You're the first company that actually made me do that. And it's nice. So that's something that makes them off in the very last stage of the the process. How about you, Shauna? Comments on that concept? And do you use it as as a leverage tool for your team to attract? Yeah, so um, we do, we similar. So we do have a learning and development function. Um, one of the, the hooks, so our strategic advantage within uh, this market is our accelerated pace of growth um, and also to be able to work with um, world-class leaders and a, and a world-class team. And so a lot of that growth and learning um, happens with um, on-the-job experience, which is great. Um, a lot of what we talk about within the, or within the recruitment process is the accelerated career trajectory. So one of the advantages of being within a hypergrowth organization is that often you're placed into roles before um, you would be in another organization that could be potentially a little bit more stagnant. Um, so we'll kind of kind of push you into that role and then provide you the scaffolding and support that you need in order to be successful in the role. And so we'll talk about uh, folks within the organization that did benefit from that um, accelerated career trajectory. Um, and similarly, we do we we deploy a um, a pre a personnel assessment within the recruitment process. It's called the Wonderlic. Um, and so it's similar. So it looks, um, it assesses somebody's cognitive ability, kind of their, their motivation for the role, um, personality and other constructs that were defined within a normative sample to be predictive of success within the role. Um, that's actually really interesting as well because what it does is it allows us, it, it also provides suggestions on how best to support those individuals once they come on board into the, in, in the organization. So it gives suggestions 
suggestions for a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Um, it also gives suggestions on strengths and areas for development. And we use that as a resource, as a tool for that, that new manager um, to set that that, that new hire up for success. Um, and so it is optional. Um, it, it can be a data point that we do um, to inform our decision-making within the process that's positioned as a, a pre-employment selection test. Uh, but similarly, we lean on um, all the other data points within the process um, as well. Um, and we would never make a hiring decision based on a, a single output or a number. Uh, we're looking at it um, kind of as aggregate data across the, across, across the process. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. <laughs> and um, the question that I wanted to follow up with with Shauna uh, before was really of pressure that you feel from the CEO for leadership positions. And I assume from the leaders to yeah. management positions. And usually in those cases, imagine that you are the VP of sales and you are opening a new market. And you need to show to your investors that in two, three, or four quarters, you are able to prove that you can access the market and start having those initial customers uh, in a very aggressive uh, growth uh, curve. So how do you manage those expectations? And uh, a second question might be, was it different when you were in the beginning of the company and now? Do you feel that you have more time now or less time? Uh, now compared to, to the beginning to fulfill those expectations? Okay. That's a really good question. So um, yeah, so I report directly to the CEO and talent acquisition within TalkDesk is seen as a really strategic function. Um, we actually historically for the last two years have been one of the top performing teams in terms of attainment and um, delivery back to the business. And so um, the the pressure is there. It's it's similar for, for any other um, department head. Um, and I would say even more so because the company during this growth phase are really leaning on us to execute. So, um, you know, how I manage expectations across the organization. It is um, setting really clearly defined goals, um, also really clearly defined and structured process, and then um, you know communicating our progress towards those goals. Tiago, as a CEO, is really aggressive, right? So we're we're never ever ever going to recruit fast enough. Um, we'll never we'll never be able to meet his expectations, but he knows that as long as we get close, he's happy. Um, and so for me, it's all about communication. It's all about being really aggressive, and then translating kind of his vision for the organization into a tactical recruitment strategy and executing on that and then building KPIs and metrics around that so we can communicate not only to him but back to the business our progress towards that. Um, the other is that we are a strategic business partner to hiring managers, right? So uh, for us, it is uh, recruit, recruitment at TalkDesk in general is um, it's a team effort. Um, and so if we're failing to meet kind of our, our goals, metrics, we're usually failing to do so with one department or one hiring manager. Um, and those are conversations that we can have with them to think about how we can partner better, um, how we can put together, you know, more, more attractive or compelling pitch, um, whether or not our compensation expectations are misaligned with the market and we have to readjust that. Um, and so in general, is, is what we've noticed is that if we follow the process, um, if we've set clearly defined goals um, and we're operating the same, that there's no reason why we shouldn't execute on that as long as we're working together. 
Um, and then in terms of like, has, has, do I have more time now to meet Tiago's needs? No, absolutely not. I have less time. I, I have, I just, I was looking at the numbers. Um, so this quarter we scaled our recruitment function to about 15 globally to almost 50, five zero. Um, and I not only have recruitment, but also, um, global IT and facilities under me. And so we've, we've seen dramatic shifts within the organization. I have 25 direct reports. So of that 50, 25 report to me directly until, um, we can consolidate those so I don't have you know I, I don't have a lot of time um, to, to kind of manage expectations but I have built that regular cadence to do so and I have we have those checkpoints um, and so I know it's expected of me um, and so I was I always put my team first my people first uh, but that's that's second that's awesome Shannon and, and Rudika uh, in terms of what is the importance of the the leaders in terms of attracting the managers and even the importance of the CEO, what is his role also helping to attract the leaders. So is personal branding important? Is important that he becomes a, he or she becomes a thought leader in the space and that he's able to attract the team and not only putting all the pressure on the function that is attracting those talents. Uh, th that's a very, very good question. And uh, I was thinking about like, what, what are the, my, my main sources to, to or what are, what are my main advantages to attract the talent here in, in Kuala Lumpur? I'm mainly focusing on hiring for, for the KL market now. Uh, and I work closely with the, the CTO, former CTO, now he's uh, the chief AI officer. So, um, and then I realized that he's actually one of my main, um, main advantage when it comes to hiring the data scientists. Um, he's very well known in, in the, in the Kuala, market, Kuala Lumpur market for, for his uh, data science uh, experience. And whenever I, I, I jump on a call with someone very senior from well-known companies uh, in, in Kuala Lumpur, they would know the name and they would say, yeah, I've heard about your CTO, uh, very cool guy. And I also heard about your that, uh, assessment and I, I've heard it's very complicated. So I'm, I'm more than happy to jump on board to do that and see if I can get into the room and, and, and pitch it in front of your, your CTO. Um, so for me, that's definitely helping on, on the branding side and is def definitely one of the source to, 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 uh, of the applications. Um, also, people that are working within the company, they, they do like he's mostly in the office and he's very uh, still hands-on and, and, and very much uh, um, investing a lot in, in, in the team. Um, and those that stay and that have this chance to, to, to meet him on a daily basis and, and, and see him on a daily basis in the office are really... Uh, are really happy and they bring so another another um, recruitment uh, channel for me is the referral 25% of the hirings for the last year uh, are coming from referrals um, mm -hmm. and this really says something about the the, the company about the, the manager that are the people that are working within the within the company the technology that we are using the product the overall growth and, and the mission that we are uh, achieving in, in, in here. That's awesome. So, and unfortunately, we need to start uh, preparing the wrap up for uh, episodes. So, I would like to ask a final question to both of you. And Shauna, if you would have the opportunity to meet you again in the beginning of your career or to catch up with yourself in the beginning of your career at TalkDisk, so what advice would you give to yourself? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> For me, I, I would say just do it. 
So um, Talk to Us for me, is, is, it's been a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, I had to kind of not not pivot my career, but I have two two careers and I had to um, kind of switch and deprioritize one um, for Talk Desk. And there was a lot, there were a lot of people along the way that said, don't do it. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't do it can't do it. Um, and I, I started to kind of internalize that as well. It created a little bit of hesitation. I think one of the things I'm most grateful for is, is for Tiago um, and for Gaudi, our COO at the time that really, really pushed me, right? So they always believed in me. Um, so, sometimes before, like more than I believed in myself. And so I would say, just do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out okay. And it's, it, it is going to be uh, that once in a lifetime opportunity that you think it's going to be. Um, yeah. And for the ones who follow you on LinkedIn, you also empower a lot of your team. So you really cherish them. So maybe that's also an inspiration from them at the time. And Rudika, what, what in your case, what would you say to yourself? Okay, um, I was thinking meanwhile, um, probably I would say to myself to sleep more. To, to to do a little bit more 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 um, to spend more time with myself and to 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 practice more uh, sports because um, normally when we go into this uh, uh, working hours and extra working hours that's what you stop doing you 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 stop sleeping you stop going to gym so and you stop reading eventually so that's something that I would say to myself but I mean that's more on a funny note um, seriously I, I think I would I would just tell myself uh, to to stop all overthinking and to start um, to stop um, uh, striving for this per perfect job um, so I would I would just tell myself move fast and uh, make sure that you still deliver the quality that is expected from you but do not overthink uh, the, the the task that you are given to to to, to do um, in a startup environment you really need to 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 be fast and still um, be fast and good that's it Awesome. Thank you for the amazing conversation and a lot of fun. And Ryan, that's your show. <laughs> and you just need to unmute first. <laughs> but, but we are getting what you mean. Yes. All right. So here, here is the, uh, here's the breakdown. Um, we started with, the, with these two lovely ladies in the middle of the panel. And these are all key phrases and words that I took out from it. So in order to sum up, uh, I'm going to stick with the magic three and I'm going to stick with something that that stood out in the beginning of the recruitment process or the talent show and then something in the middle of the talent show and at the end of the talent show. And as you see up here in the top, which you probably can't see, the beginning part of the process that I was really um, hearing was the need for standardization, for having all of your questions already answered, for having systems, for having KPIs, all the stuff that you really wish you would have thought about first, I think it's great to start there. Uh, in the middle, I think what I was most impressed with was using your products to sell what you're doing, but I had to go back in there and add people as well. Because if you have a CMO who is essentially a product of the company that you can uh, you know, lure people to convince them that there's more learning, more productivity. Um, and I thought it was interesting that both of you to some extent said that on the job training, is where you get your learning. But I don't know if everybody is mentioning that as a byproduct. You might think, well, we have this, this online training program that you get as a bonus, but you could also position it as saying, look, you're in this high growth company. You're going to have a chance to spend time in other spots. That is how we help you learn. I think there's an interesting connection. And then finally, um, I, I was really impressed by the amount of metrics in the end. 
where if I could just go back and replay those metrics, that's what I would play on a, on a cheat reel for somebody who's new to this hiring business to making sure that what you're doing is actually moving the needle. So those would be my beginning, middle and end. And you can pull out the rest of them. Or if you want, you can take this and you can share this episode with your friends. You can find other Scale Up Valley podcasts because this is what we do. It's a talent show where we're helping people showcase what they did, what they do, what they wish they would have done from the very beginning to help us learn that we need more sleep, we need to play sports, and we need to just do it. <laughs> Sound good? All right, so so there we go. We have 45 minutes and a recap of about 30 seconds. Uh, but this has been fun. And for, for most people, we, we end up on both sides of the spectrum. At a certain point, we are talent. And then at a certain point, we choose the talent. So it's important to understand this whole process and it's particularly interesting with high growth scale up companies because you have the problems that most of us wish we had, the problem of growing too fast. So cheers to growing, cheers to sleeping, cheers to sports, cheers to everything and cheers to the process that convinces those 70% of employees that they would do better on the other side of the grass because your grass is growing and you wanna help them grow. On behalf of everybody, I'm gonna stop saying stuff because I feel like I will just keep going. Uh, but this has been another episode. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you, ladies. This has been great. And uh, we will see everybody online.